always does. Good morning, Vaughn. I don't know, Simi, whether the wisdom or the singing would be worse this morning. But anyway, <laughs> oh. we'll give we'll let the listener decide as uh, always. Okay, so we're doing the kind of good and bad moves made by the government this week. Let's start with the bad. Yeah, let's start with the bad because I'm a curmudgeon. Um, the bad is uh, the New Democrats are phasing out pretty much the secret ballot for union certification votes. So this is something they've wanted to do all along when they tried to do it in their first term. Andrew Weaver of the Greens blocked them, and so they had to put it off. But, of course, Weaver is gone. The government has a majority, so now they're doing it. Most cases to have a union drive within a company, all you'll do is get people to sign their cards. Everybody knows whether they've signed or not. And if you hit 55%, you got a union. If it's 45 to 55%, there'll still be a secret ballot. So there still will be cases where there's a secret ballot. But for the most part, it means essentially uh, you sign openly. Everybody in the workplace knows. The union organizers know. The co-workers know. And why is the government doing this? Well, it's NDP logic. Um, the secret ballot leads to intimidation. How? Okay, I, well, again, you know, I have never understood that, because if it's a secret ballot, your vote is your vote. right. Can you, can you imagine making that argument yeah. in a provincial election? No. You know, actually, in the 19th century, that is how people voted in British Columbia. You went to a public meeting, and you put up your hand. Men did. Women weren't allowed to vote. Uh, but you went to a public meeting, you put up your hand, and I said, you know, I'm voting for so-and-so. So everybody in the community knew where you were, right? Um we brought in the secret ballot in elections to protect the privacy and, you know, allow people to, in the privacy of the ballot box, say who you support. And you can tell your friends and colleagues and employer and everybody else where you stand, but you don't have to. So anyway, I mean, this is something the unions want. I don't think there's any mystery about why they want it. They say it's much easier to get a certification. I mean, Weaver himself when he opposed this way back in 2017, he said, look, I was in the union. I was, in fact, on the bargaining committee for the faculty association at UVic. I support unions. But he said, I also know that in open certification votes, there is intimidation on workers to sign up. Join your colleagues. Support the union. Don't be a stooge for management, right? Um, that's why Weaver opposed that. He said, it's just not fair. And he said, I'm never, ever going to support getting rid of the secret ballot. And the New Democrats put incredible pressure on him. Labor pressured him. Everybody pressured him. They couldn't persuade him to do it, so they had to drop it. But now they have a majority. They don't have to listen to Weaver. The NDP appointed an expert panel on changes in labor law. And the panel, government hand-picked panel, said... Don't get rid of the secret ballot. We've gone back and forth on this, Simi, like four Mm -hmm. times already in four decades or three decades, and this will be the fifth time. Government doesn't have to listen to expert panels anymore. It's got a majority. It does what it wants, and that's what they're doing. You know, nothing will convince me that there's anything wrong with the secret ballot, that 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 isn't the best way to go for somebody, that you should be able to vote how you want to vote, and people shouldn't know what that is. Yep, that's my view as well. And as I said, I think Weaver, who, you know, remember, Andrew Weaver endorsed John Horgan for re-election. Andrew Weaver is certainly not a right-winger. 
he says he supports unions, but the secret ballot is part of the protection for individuals. So, you know, and the government will try to portray this as, oh, well, you know, anti-union, right-wingers, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I think Weaver made the good argument against this. And it is a reminder of, you know, the minority government we had. And it's a reminder of one of the reasons the New Democrats couldn't wait to get rid of their partners, the Greens. It's one reason why John Horgan went early on the election. One reason they tried very, very hard to defeat Sonia Furstenau and her riding on Vancouver Island because they don't like the Greens sitting out there offering a different point of view on provincial politics. Okay, so that was the, the bad this week. What was the good? This is good. And, you know, there are uh, more needs to be done on this, but this is a good move. So the government brought in legislation that will allow the provincial authority that finances transportation product projects and oversees them will allow that authority to buy up land around transit stations and bus exchanges in order to develop that land for housing and community amenities. So this would end the era we've been in, which is government puts up the money to build new transit lines, SkyTrain, Broadway Extension, Canada Line, new bus exchanges, right? And then they sit around and wait for the local council to approve housing around there if the local council agrees to approve it. And in some cases, they don't. Good example, Broadway extension. Uh Construction started last May. City of Vancouver has yet to approve any new housing around those transit stations. They have a plan. They're voting for it next month. But that doesn't mean the individual projects are approved, the high-rises and all that. And there's so much NIMBY opposition against this kind of thing that it's no sure thing. David Eby? Right. A few weeks ago said he's still worried that the subway will be completed before the housing starts. And I think that's a legitimate concern. So with what David Eby has mused out loud about in terms of changing the rules, if Vancouver goes ahead and passes this Vancouver plan, which people can check out actually the city of Vancouver's website, uh, it would mean that they can't say no to a project that essentially fills the requirements according to the Vancouver plan. They can't hold more public hearings and decide that that, can't, that, that project can't go ahead. Oh, really? <laughs> right. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yes, but we've seen way too much of this going on in BC. The municipalities complain, oh, you're so unfair to us. You know, we have to listen to local residents. And yes, they do and all that. But one of the problems identified by EB is that Local residents who already live there have way more influence on the council than the people who might move there if the housing were built. So, you know, this law is interesting, Simi. It has one limitation. There's no override clause in this law. The provincial authority can buy the land for for, uh, transportation around a transit station, so it's within 800 meters, They can say they want high-rises. They can say they want a school and community development and all that. It still has to go through local government approval. There's no override clause. But the government will have more leverage. And Rob Fleming put it well this week. He said, we're headed for a situation where municipalities will be given a choice. Do you want transit and housing, or do you want to take a pass on both? So like That's a stick. the situation we need to get to. 
I heard you and Gord McDonald talking about this this morning. This is going to trample the forces of NIMBY eventually, and there will be a lot of squawking. But if we really want more housing in Vancouver and affordable housing and the right mix of housing for the next generation, the government is going to have to go this way and the provincial government is going to have to take the heat because local councils won't do it. Hmm, more to come on that one. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. If you want to weigh in, Simi at cknw.ca.